Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Chills. Here we are another week. Two league games in a week. It's extraordinary. Wednesday, weekend. I mean, wow, what a strange thing. I always thought that the midweek was reserved for cups and things like that. But no, two Premier League games. So here with me to discuss, it is the holy trio, the triumvirate, the special three. Uh, And first up is Mr Andy Saunders. Hello, oh special one. I'll be the I'll be the Holy Ghost. Okay, okay, you can be though. You can be you the father. Quite... Okay. Well, and I'm the son. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, whippersnapper Gary Hayes. That well, is yes. But it, here's the difference. Andy was thinking of Don McLean when he was saying that. I was thinking of Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi. I have no and idea. He said what the Holy Ghost. About. Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to get used to these midweek Premier League games because I don't know how we're going to fit them in with what's been going on at the moment. So as we go through the season, I think you're going to be seeing the double Premier League weeks becoming a pretty regular fixture. Well, what do you mean with what's been going on? The well, changing we had, fixtures? Uh, well, because we had uh, fixtures cancelled and, and and obviously with the, with the Queen dying and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, and of course the World Cup. So we've got, you know, we've got a limited amount of time and a certain amount of fixtures we've got to cram into it. So there will be midweek Premier League games moving forward on, on a much larger scale than they have been in recent years. Well, Christmas is looking kind for us when we get back after the World Cup. Just change some fixtures today, seeing that. No, Have I haven't they? seen that. Well, well, no. Talk us through it. Talk us through it. Okay, Gary. well, I'll, I'll get my calendar kid. up. I'll get my calendar up because I was worried thinking I'm going to go away at Christmas. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss like the Man City game and stuff. So now what they've done is they've moved um, Bournemouth to from Boxing Day to the 27th, 5.30 oh, p.m. kickoff. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Live, yeah, that's live for Amazon Prime. Right. So, But it works out nice because our games are really crammed, but now we've got a good space of games because then we don't play Forest away until the 1st of January. Perfect. So we've got five days in between that game. And then the City game at home isn't until the 5th of January now, and it originally was the 2nd. Oh, so perfect. we've got five days between Forest and City as well. When you say you're going away, where are you going away to? Peterborough. Or... <laughs> no. <laughs> God, no. 
<laughs> no, he's going to Chelmsford. <laughs> <laughs> no, Colchester. I'm going to go to Tunbridge. Right. But you, you're in no. Tunbridge. No, I'm in Royal Tunbridge Wells, not Tunbridge. They're two oh, different places, as Jamie Arkell will tell you. Right, right. Who's Jamie Arkell? My cousin. Oh. When, when, he, when he's in Tunbridge, he's Jamie Arkell. When he's in Royal Tunbridge Wells, he's Jamie Arkell. Right. So, so Nottingham yeah. Forest, Kerry, that's, that's local to you. Yeah, it is. So we should get tickets for that. That'd be quite a Happy good one. Happy New Year. That. Gary, sort that out. You're a man who knows. Yeah, Gary. CNN, CNN's Gary Hayes. Yeah, CNN's, well, yeah. fake news, Gary Hayes. Um, so I, I will probably be away then because I've, what seriously I think what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go to the US and I'm going to disappear for a little bit. I think I want to go to a little town called Silver. Right. Which is in, uh, it's on the Appalachian Trail almost. Right. And it's in the state of North Carolina and it's where they shot the movie Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's oh, not yeah. Ebbing, Missouri. Gary, can I go? just say one little thing there? When you say you're going to disappear... And then you tell us where you've gone to. That's <laughs> yeah. not really disappearing. <laughs> well, it's, it's only That's got a population falls down. Two thousand nine hundred and sixty-six is the population. So uh, I think I'll blend in. Now, how do you yeah, know this well, place, Gary? Just because it's in that movie, and it's always been really nice. And one of my friends lives there, so I said I'd go and visit him. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Mm. So why anyway. don't you just start with your friend lived there? But anyway, yes, look, we're going to carry on with football. So anyway, that's the fixture news. I'm, I'm really happy about yeah, no too. game on Boxing Day because it's a pain from here because it was going to be midday, wasn't it? And it yeah. was going to be one of those, just be a schlep on a Boxing yeah, Day. Yeah, and I'll be in a carb cola on Boxing Day and I never like leaving the house. So there you go. Uh, well, so there you go. To be good. Hopefully there's All some good roast. games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn right. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's Compensating well, you, you with are, cake. You do always like to roast your nuts, don't you? Andy? Always, always. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a particular method? Oh, maybe we digress. Um, so yes, look, let's let's go let's go through this this last week. Uh, I tell you what, I've been really enjoying is Graham Potter's press conferences. Um, there's something about him. He's very calm and measured. But he, his, his personality was questioned this week, and he was hysterical when, when the, the questioner was asking him, so would you say that, uh, you know, with a personality as quiet as yours, which is almost, bo- and, and you could sit here, he was just stopping himself saying boring, and Potter was going, are you trying to say I've got no personality? You don't even know me. And he was like really funny and really, really went after the journo, but in a very amusing way. And I thought, it was a great insight because we're being fed this line, aren't we, that Potter just is is just very dour, has got no humour. I just don't think it's true. We're getting to know him, aren't we, Andy? I've always liked him. I think he's... Uh, look, I, I, after a whole parade of charismatic but slightly mental managers, you know, with uh, Mourinho and Tuchel and, you know, the list goes on, really. Scolari was bonkers, wasn't he? I mean, look, you know, it's quite nice to have a sort of calm head in, in turbulencies, if that's not mixing metaphors too much. I mean, look, he is a bit of a geography teacher, and I think he was a geography teacher at some point. But, look, there's nothing wrong with 
somebody who says I am a coach, not a manager, and that's where my skill sets are. I will do my talking on the training pitch, and you know, and my team will will, will do the talking on my behalf rather than me putting myself at the centre of attention. I'm quite enjoying that because actually managers putting themselves in the spotlight and being the centre of attention. I'm just finding it a little bit boring, to be honest. The Klopp Guardiola show. It's like let's just get on with playing football, rebuilding the team, trying to get some personality uh, into the team trying to get some identity into the team but let the team do it let the team play the football and 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 let the manager you know talk when he's spoken to and and otherwise just get on with his job and gary are, are you warming to to potter i was yeah i warmed to him even before he came to chelsea yeah but i mean having him as a chelsea manager is it something quite interesting that that we've got this new kind of manager at Chelsea it does feel like this is a new fresh start doesn't it yeah can I just say as well actually um just who's the journalist that asked him that do you know I, I don't a, a know. good friend of mine know. in the media um I was chatting to him or her the other week and they were um on their way back from the golf and I went oh what are you covering golf no 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 I've been playing golf I was, but, but it's Friday weren't you at Cobham. Oh, no, I'm not going to do them anymore. And I said, why? He's just boring. Going to get nothing out of him. Not going to do them. So I won't even do the, po- won't even do the press conferences. Just watches them online. No point. No point. Completely boring. Quite like that. I- Quite like that. And we, look, we sat in a, or I sat in a press conference for the Salzburg game, courtesy of, uh, of Gary. Thank you very much, Gary. And um, it was interesting because actually when you're there, you ask him a straight question, he gives you a straight answer. That's that's unusual in Premier League, you know, managers. And there's no agenda. You know, somebody says, do you think you, you, you need to do better? He'll say, I think we need to do better. There's no argument about that. He's he's a straight talker. And I think a club like us that, that you know, I mean, let's not make any bones about it. We, we can be a bit of a basket case as a club, you know, on so many different levels. There are so many different mad things happening around our club at any one time. Having somebody at the centre of the football who's calm and measured is, is, is not a bad thing. It's, it's the, um, the, the comparison that I got from this person I spoke to said, um, do you remember Steve Clark? Because what, what used to happen yeah. is um, <laughs> at the press conferences, whenever the heat was on Jose, sometimes they would just roll Steve Clark out. This is Jose's first spell. Um, just to sort of give him nothing. And he went, yeah, it's like when they used to roll Steve Clark out. But look, I like the fact that the manager is a manager and he's there for footballing reasons, not because he wants to stand around wearing the latest... Armani or Gucci suit and posing on the touchline looking like a hipster or whatever he's just he is who he is he's obviously had a style makeover but that's because he's probably been told he's got to because he's at Chelsea but he's a very seems like a very simple calm person and I like that I respect that about him he's he's there to be himself he's not there to be something else do you know what I mean and th- that's good I think in a world of football where there's too many posers I like the fact that a guy like him has got a top job yeah, I, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, so here we were uh, last week with our calmness in the manager that permeates through everything. And actually, we do seem to be playing with a calmness, uh, which I, I think has been missing. Brentford, this was a tough old game. We'd, we'd had a bit of a ding-dong with them last year when we got absolutely turned over. Uh, they're a funny side for us, but... How did you view this one, Andy, going into it? And then when you saw the side, were you worried? Were you thinking, or, or do you not worry in the same way at the moment? 
No, I'm always worried. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a half glass empty type of guy. I'm always pessimistic about about us. Um, I, look, I, I um, think I said on the podcast last week that I thought it'd be a difficult game because they are a team that will really get at you. And um, actually, they they defended a lot better than I thought they would. I thought they'd be a little bit more kamikaze, but actually, their strength was their defence, uh, which of course it wasn't against Aston Villa yesterday when they got smashed. Um, but against us, they seemed to set themselves up very well. The game was was no. Notable, I think, by him giving Breuer a start, um, by him playing Gallagher in the middle, uh, by the rotation, really. And I think that's one thing that he's bought since he's been there, is trying to manage the resources really well and manage players really well. Uh, and, and, and he seems to have an understanding that it's a long season, he's going to need this entire squad. Um, and he's trying to keep everybody happy. Now, I don't think he's doing it on a kind of, oh, I need to keep everybody happy, otherwise they're going to hate me. I think he's just trying to keep the players motivated, trying to keep them part of the squad. There seems to be a sense that people have bought into what he's trying to do. Now, we didn't get a result out of it, but you know, a lot of that credit's got to go to Brentford, I think, for playing really well. Didn't really create a lot of chances. Um, and we'll come on, I'm sure, and talk about a few of the individual performances. But listen, I just thought it was a really interesting, uh, a really interesting approach to the game, as, as it has been throughout his short tenure so far. Gary, would you say that there, that at the moment, we could say that uh, really, and we'll talk about this more in relation to the Man United game, but his tenure, Potter's tenure, is being marked as actually possibly the king of substitutes. Uh, that he's having to make substitutions. I mean, in Brentford, he had to substitute Gallagher after 15 minutes because he was not feeling well and had to bring Kovacic on. Um, Manchester United, we know that he changed it after half an hour. We'll talk about that more in detail. And most of the time in the second half of games, when he is making substitutions, most of the substitutions look positive and most of them do something that, changes the game not necessarily wins it but uh you know uh, do you think he is one of those managers there's two views on this if a manager makes substitutions early is that an admission that he got it wrong or is that a manager who's uh, basically saying we need to change something this isn't working so I'll do it now and I don't care if people say I got it wrong because it's the game he's responding to Gary? Well, how many times have we been there on watching on TV or in the stadium? You're thinking, if we can see this, why is he not doing anything? Whoever that manager is, whether it's Chelsea or another team. So I'd see it as bravery, really. I think I see it as a guy who's actually watching the game, paying attention and, you know, d- doing what he needs to do in order to get a result. Um, I think when you talk about the substitutes and everything, I know we'll come on to the United stuff um, and the way he's picking the team and the changes we're seeing. I think it's probably two things. I agree with Andy. He's trying to keep people motivated and whatnot. But equally, I think that this is a guy who's seven or eight games into his Chelsea career and he's trying to work out what this squad is and what system's going to work. And he's having to do it. You know, he hasn't been able to do it from May to August, right? And have a pre-season and do it behind closed doors. He's having to do it in real time. And they're playing, you know, uh, Saturday to Wednesday, Saturday to Wednesday, or Sunday to Tuesday, or what, you know, whatever the days are at the moment, and they're going to have to do that up to the World Cup. And I think you're seeing a team, as we said under Tuchel when he came, they're developing in real time. He's going to get some things wrong. He's going to get some things right. But I think he's trying to work out what these players can give him. Um, and I think that's why you see some of the changes being made. I think Sterling has probably been 
from probably being one of our best players under Tuchel. He suffered a little bit because um, the manager's trying to work out how he fits into his system. Now, does he play the wing backs and have Sterling as part of an attacking three? Does he put him a little bit further wide? He's working that out, isn't he? So I think we're just going to keep seeing this until he really settles in it. So it'll be interesting what happens after the World Cup when he's got time to be on the training ground and having certain players pretend to be Sterling and others who are at the World Cup, right? I think that he's doing a great job though so yeah, far. Look, I, yeah. I, would, I would say as well Kerry that you know he's not been blessed with with injuries as well you know he's had three key defensive players injured in Koulibaly Fafana and Reese James recently Kante's an, an, an obvious that, one yeah, uh, well. Kovacic is still coming back from a, from his long term injury can't play 90 minutes I mean look there's there's big holes in this team with key players so he's having to manage that alongside a really heavy fixture schedule uh, and as Gary says trying to keep people motivated so I I actually think he's doing a really good job yeah I agree I I think there are plenty of managers who would be going on about how well people shouldn't have a go at us we haven't got this player we haven't got that player he just gets on with the players that he's got and works out what the team will be and yes he's trying to protect some of his players because we do have a lot of injuries and he seems to be managing the whole situation uh the the Can I I just say, Kerry, as well, especially for a manager like Potter, who's what I like about him is that he's come in and he knows that everyone is looking at him thinking, are the players going to respect you? When are you going to make a cock up? And when are you going to show us you're out of your depth? So far, it's early days, right? He hasn't shown that he's out of his depth. If you look at the Milan games, 5-0 on aggregate, if if you put aggregate scores to it, I know it's a league game, you know, strictly speaking, in the Champions League. But, um, you know, he hasn't been seen to be out of his depth. You know, they made they poked fun at him that he had never even been to a Champions League game before the Salzburg game, right? As a spectator, let alone a coach. So um, everyone's been looking at that. And the temptation would be for someone in his position would be, right, I'm just going to go with the stars. I'm just going to pick the big names because they're the ones I can guarantee. But then look what he's done in terms of the way he's integrated Breuer. Use Breuer way more than Tuchel did. Chuck Maker's getting minutes now. He's playing Chaloba. He's... He's going with players who are in and around the squad, but you wouldn't expect to be getting the time they have. And again, we'll come on to it, but he brought Breuer and Chuck Remaker on at nil-nil against United. I, I think yeah. that, that managers get respect off players in two ways. One is to, you know, put the medals on the table. It's like, you know, if you're a manager that's won, if you're Ancelotti, for example, or you're a manager that's won three or four Champions Leagues and, and, and league titles and cups, and you come into a dressing room, you're immediately going to get respect or a former player or, or whatever it is with a lot of medals. Or you're a genius on the training field and they enjoy training and they get it and they buy into the system and they can see it and I think Potter is the latter by all accounts he is a brilliant coach and you know what he lacks in maybe charisma compared to the Klops and the Guardiolas of the world I think he more than makes up in tactical nouts and I think that's what the players are respecting from him I'd also say that there's something to be said that yes I think the first thing that you said about the the two things I think it's it's a valid point but I think the first thing about showing your medals and putting them on the table in a way, for the modern era of footballer, it doesn't work so much now. I don't know what it is, but I've had this thought and had this discussion that modern footballers don't necessarily make good managers anymore because they're used to such a different lifestyle. They were, they were paid so much money for so long, and then they come into managing. And managing, you have to manage for probably 
five times the amount of time you spend as a player during the day working. As a manager, you have to be in at six, invariably in till ten. Uh, it's it's constant work. And I'm not sure that the modern footballer is geared up for that. Yeah, I wasn't talking specifically about footballers no, who no, become managers. I'm thinking more about superstar managers who come in. Like, Absolutely. You know, people like Angelotti or Mourinho, whoever, who just walk in and go, I've won everything, you know, respect me. And and, and that's one way of, of getting respect. Con- and, that, and that goes so far, does, though, right? It does. Until, you see until they start Jose, to, until, You see what happened with Jose. Exactly, until they lose the dressing room. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I'm, it goes I'm talking so far in relation come in to, to Okay, to I've got to listen to him. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Gary, I was just saying, in relation to modern managers like Steven Gerrard losing his job, you know, th- these modern players uh, are coming into big jobs and are not equipped to deal with this incessant sort of hubbub of how it's going and what needs to be done. Whereas someone like Potter started off at the beginning, it's taken him whatever it is, 12 years as a manager to get to here. And when he got the Chelsea job, people were still saying, well, is he ready for a big club? And and I think that's a really odd situation when he's got to be more ready than perhaps Steven Gerrard or other managers in the Premiership. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, because he's he's done... You know, whilst Gerard was winning England caps and winning Champions Leagues and Lampard was doing the same and winning everything in football as a player, he's developing as a coach. Yeah, it just stands to reason, doesn't it? You know, while he's away in the in the background getting on with stuff and developing his game, it's sort of like a youth team player. When a youth team player is away doing things in the in the background, you've got the the you know, Ronaldo's of this world winning stuff, but then they get replaced. And then when those players try to cross over, they're having to catch up with the likes of Potter who have basically done it at the lowest level and made their mistakes. And now they know how to deal with players. They they learn all that stuff. You know, and it takes years. It takes years. And look at him. He's 47. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 at the risk of dropping names, I did speak to Frank Lampard about this. You know, before Frank Lampard took the Chelsea club, uh, job, I spoke to he him. He asked your opinion. He Well, I was said to him, you know, are you going to become Chelsea manager? Cheekily. And he said, look, I'd love to. It's a dream job. He said, but I cannot believe how difficult management is compared to being a player. He said, you know, when you're a player, everything is done for you. Your whole world is, and, and every minute of your day is accounted for. He said, when you're a manager, you're flying solo. Uh, you know, you put a team around you, but ultimately, it all rests with you. He said it's been a real, a real experience, and and I'm I'm not sure whether the Chelsea job's a little bit early. That's what he said to me just before he took the Chelsea job. So you know, you know, I think he, well, we knew just it was too early. What though, you're saying we, about we knew you know, it, but just, it's, it's Lampard. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't, of course, and um, I mean, you know, he couldn't believe how difficult the job of management was. All right, well, look, let's let's go back to the Brentford game because. There were two real performances for me that stood out in different ways, and you may have different opinions. One, Kepper carried on his incredible run of form. I thought he was wonderful. I think he's much more commanding. Um, we can talk about his lack of inches perhaps later with the Man United goal. It was a brilliant save that he was very unlucky, and it was only millimetres that did him. But his positional sense is incredible now. Uh, everything is working for him. And the other person that I would mention as well is Chukwemeka, who came on with half an hour to go. It's not like token few minutes. He's giving him good minutes, as Gary alluded to earlier, and getting him on the pitch and saying, you can make change. As he and Pulisic did to a greater or lesser extent, we're seeing this. I mean, what do you think of those, those three that I've pulled out there, Andy? 
Uh, Chico Ameca is bigger than I thought he was. He's a he's a big lad. He's a unit, which uh, which 18. I like. I like, and he doesn't play like an eighteen year old. Look, we've seen him very just a very small bit of him, but he he looks doesn't look uncomfortable, does he? In the in the situation, doesn't look like he's out of his depth. Um, yeah, exciting. I think exciting. I'd like to see a little bit more of him to to make a, a really solid opinion of him. But from what, what I've seen, he didn't look overall by the occasion. Came on, did a job, and uh, and played with confidence. Pulisic, yeah, it came on. And, and played well and and uh, and looked sharp and you know was was um, was was there or thereabouts and better than I'd seen him for a long time. Kepa's quite an amazing story, really, isn't it? You know where you think where he was, you know, uh, about two years ago, and and we were thinking we were never going to see him as a regular again, and it's the worst seventy million anybody's ever spent in the history of the world, and how are we ever going to get any value out of this? You know, he's come in, he's taken his opportunity with Mendy's injury, and he's played really well. And you know, we can debate whether the lack of inches caused the Man United goal. I would say no. I thought it was a brilliant effort, and you know, as you say, it was millimeters over the line, and you know, where I was, unfortunately, it was a pretty good view of it being over the line but um I, I, look i just thought i just think he's playing really well and what, what's really impressing me about him is his attitude he's come in he's he's shown real mental strength to come back from from a pretty low place where he was he's he's uh with the ball at the feet he looks great his positional sense is great i just think he looks like a confident goalkeeper and you can't ask for more at the moment and, and gary what, what are your last thoughts on that brentford game and the performances that we saw there I didn't watch it. What? Okay, well, the, why not? <laughs> all right. Well, well, that's. I was, I was too. I was too busy working, so I didn't watch it. And then when it was nil nil, I went, yeah. You could have just lied. Now everyone thinks got, you're got, a total. Got better plastic. things. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now everyone's going to go. You know what? When Gary speaks, he actually speaks about something he did watch and study, rather than trying to make something up. Yeah, Kerry Dixon was great. Well, right. So yeah. as, a, as opposed to actually sort of just. Watching it or going to the game. <laughs> yeah, oh, Ch- Ch- Chopper was amazing because he went to Brentford, didn't he, in 1982? Well, there you go. We're not right, going well, to talk about Breuer, Kerry. We can do. Um, yeah, no, I, I was going to wrap him up into the Man U thing as okay. well. But no, for me, but no, let's, 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 okay, before we go for our break, last thoughts on Breuer. I, I, I thought when he got his chance he's still raw it's obvious he's raw but his pace and the the couple of times he terrorized ben me he does look a handful he looks a different proposition to anything else we've got in there i think he's a perfect player to have in this squad this year that does something different that is obviously going to get minutes and i still like the look of him andy your thoughts well my my opinion hasn't really changed and my opinion is that i think he's raw and i think he's talented i don't i don't doubt his technical prowess he's definitely a presence he's a physical presence those incidents against ben me were exciting the way he took the ball off what he demonstrated was doesn't have much of a brain you know i mean he could have squared it he could have done something with it my my problem with him is when is he going to discover a final product and you know that is me saying show me prove it to me prove, prove i think that's fair comment that, that that's, that's all i'm saying comment. i don't doubt the boy's ability i just need him to demonstrate i need him it's not up to me but i would like him to you know to demonstrate to me that he's thinking a couple of steps ahead of where he is at the moment that's all i'm saying but but maybe that's his youth course where he is I, I think it is and he is raw and and listen i was delighted to see him get a start i want to see him tested i'd like to see him tested on the bigger stage and and i'd like to see him get more minutes i don't think it, I, I don't not want him in the squad i just want him to be elite that's all it is. Gary, and, and for you, last words on Breuer. I, I, I totally get what Andy's saying. I just think he will come good. 
Okay. But that's yeah. Obviously, I can't comment on on the Brentford game, but I've heard a lot. But just generally, from the moment I first saw him in the flesh, I just thought, okay, this kid he plays for the middle. He's got something. Whether he's got goals, maybe he hasn't. But then I think that when as Chelsea develop this team and they're going to try to get a prolific goal scorer at some point, whether that stays as a Bami Yang for the next two or three years or what. But um, I think he his future at Chelsea would be the Giroud role. Someone who comes in is not going to score 30 goals, but it'll get you 12 to 15. And I think that's what you need in the squad. You need balance. You can't have two Erling Haaland's in the team, right? You need one and the other guy that's happy to do it and score some important goals at important times because I think that's where we've always had a good balance. You know, you look at when, think of the best strike partnerships or strike... Hasselbank I was about to say, but Drogba and Anelka, where Anelka came in and we brought him in from um, from Bolton, didn't we? And he, he came in in that January in 2008 and everyone was sort of oh, 15 million for Anelka, but then he did a job. You know, he, he did golden, a job. Golden boot winner. Drogba was always the golden main man. Yeah. yeah. But then and but then you look at the difference with Torres and Drogba, you've got a problem where you're like, well, Torres was meant to replace Drogba, but Drogba's still here. What do we do about these two guys where, I know, I know obviously Torres had struggled anyway, but... Um, I always think that we should never have played him in a debut against Liverpool mm. straight after we just signed him and it maybe would have been better. But anyway, um, it was always that problem, right? Whereas there's never, you look at with Drogba and Anelka, it was always Drogba, right? And then Good Johnson and Hasselbank, obviously a different partnership because they're playing together, but it's always worked well when we've had those strikers who are, you know, even in, in the late 90s where Flo I was, was say coming Flo in. And Flo doing, and whoever, do, you know, Zola and various other Well, Z- Zola, yeah. And, but, um, you look at what we were able to do at the time where Flo was that guy coming off the bench and everyone was like, why isn't he starting? But then he would start games, he wouldn't do great, but come in and impact games. And I think that's Breuer's role now, obviously, but I think that's sort of where he'll carve out his niche, maybe. Maybe I'm underestimating him. If he goes on to be a 30, 40 goal season striker, I'd absolutely Viali, love yeah, Viali and Hughes. But there you go. Okay, we can go uh, on for a long time, but there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, look. George Gatling Gun Hillsden, if you want to go that far there back. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> well, right, look, we should go to the commercial break. And when we come back, we will chat over the Man United game. All right, back in a minute. And we're back. So, Manchester United were coming to town. They just had a very nice win over Tottenham. Mind you, quite a few people are doing that at the moment. Um, And uh, we were entertaining them at the bridge. Now, how did we see this one panning out? And what did you think of the side when you saw it and how it matched up to, to United? Gary, first with you. Well, I was just really offended that Marcus Rashford was playing. So I just thought, who, did, who does he think he is? Well, what? Well, hold on. What do you mean? Oh, I, I, I don't know. But... Marcus Rashford and he's school dinners. Uh, well, oh, look, stop you've it. ruined everything, haven't you? <laughs> he's totally ruined everything because... Uh, did you have a joke lined up? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not... No, you should have told well, me. Well, it's obvious, you know, I run this. So, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> relating to the fact there was a bloke behind us who comes out, he's always abusing people, but he comes up with the weirdest things. And he suddenly shouted, school dinners, F off Rashford. And he thought, well, the man did something absolutely incredible with the school dinners thing. And that's what you're abusing him with. It was very, very, very strange. Well, well, you know, you come to Stanford Bridge with your free school dinners. Yes. All right, Ron, back, back, to, the, back to the lineups, Gary. 
yeah, I was I was in the pub before. Um, just had a Half quiet a drink shandy. with 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 a mate. Uh, because there was a birthday party going on, and we and then we saw the teams come out, and everyone went. Aspi and Chaloba on the right, mm. and uh, I, I don't I don't think they were. Be- particularly bad defensively i just think they were struggled getting up the pitch but any sort of like and we spoke i spoke about it with that person today and i said with aspi it's sort of like criticizing a a striker for going in goal and not doing everything that a goalkeeper does because i think aspi is solid defensively but he just hasn't got it in him to do what reese james does further up the pitch and i think that's where we got caught out but then obviously with the two-man midfield and one of them being Jorginho, that's not his game to be like that and ruben's not particularly effervescent off the ball in the way Kante would be. So we had that gap in the middle, but then the manager changed it. And then when he did that, Jorginho really came into it and played really well. Ruben did. And they had that balance with Kovacic, didn't they? So um, I think he got it wrong, but then he showed bravery to to change it when he did. And um, obviously it became a better game. We, we played a game for 55 minutes. It's just a shame that the first 35, we were dross. Andy, Andy, would, would you say... I was expecting Fred and McTominay to mm, start, mm-hmm. which would have made sense mm-hmm. as to why he started with the midfield we have. Mm. Once uh, well, it was t- different... T- taking the words out of my mouth, really, because I think that's probably what uh, he anticipated. I think he thought Fred and McTominay in the middle will we'll go kind of like for like, really, with uh, Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek. But when you put um, Ericsson and Casemiro in there, um, it, it's just going to be uh, a different proposition and the midfield got overrun for the first 35 minutes and as Gary said it was smart and we've mentioned smart to put Kovacic in there put another man in midfield and immediately immediately the game changed immediately Casemiro wasn't getting space um, and was getting closed down and that outlet from midfield that Man United were torturing us with just suddenly got closed down so smart management I mean everybody in the stand saw it and it wasn't rocket science but you know you've got to give him credit for actually doing it not wasting till half time and being decisive I mean the other thing of course is we now know that he must never, ever, ever play Cucurella at centre-back again. You know, I'd rather he played Loftus-Cheek there, to be honest, because Cucurella just can't... We did it against Villa and that, that didn't work yeah, either. Yeah, it just yeah. cannot play there. And, you know, I think he's probably got a decent future as a backup um, wing-back for us or even a, you know, starting wing-back. I think he's a really decent player on, on, on the wide, you know, on, on the wing, but he can't play at centre-back. And against a team like Man United, it's it, just madness. Cucurella is to um, Chilwell what we need someone to be exactly. to Reese James because we just haven't exactly. got anything. Yeah. They're talking about um, Dumfries yeah. again, aren't they, yeah, from yeah. Milan? We just need someone to come in who's got that ability to, to fill in because yeah. right now, because yeah, it's just a game. And, and again, just to go back to Aspi, you know, he is where he is. He's where his age is and stuff, but you can't expect him you know, to be doing what is in the same way that, you know, players have to adapt their games when they get older, right? You see it with all the great mm. players. Um, and he just can't do that. And when you've got a system that needs him to do it and he plays there, he's on a hide into none, not because he doesn't want it. You know, he battles and he, he's, you know, squeezing every bit of his energy he can out of his body to compete, but he just can't play that role. And I think United target it. The, the one thing I'd say as well, real quickly, um, what I found really interesting is, um, obviously Ten Hag his first game in England was against Potter at yeah. Old Trafford and Brighton played him off the park and beat him so he's clearly learned a lot and respected Potter from that game and changed and done stuff and studied that game because I know it's Brighton it's Chelsea different stuff and different systems players or whatnot. but he went in and guessed one of the Potter problems, and one of the problems of we have at the moment is that, you know, that modern 
Premier League sides, the top modern Premier League sides, it's all about the fullbacks. It's all about getting up the pitch, making the pitch wider, playing, you know, playing uh, with with a high press uh, and dominating the game and creating opportunities. And when you've got Chilwell, who's basically having to cover Cucurella at the back, and you've got Azpilicueta for all the reasons that Gary's laid out, um, not being able to get forward, you've essentially got Mount, Sterling and, and Alba completely isolated up there. Um, and particularly when we've only got the, the two men in midfield in Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek and they've got three. So, you know, it was a bit of a disaster for 35 minutes and I thought we came back into the game well, but I don't think at any point we really look threatening and and that's an issue and that's an issue and until he can work out how we're going to transition that without fullbacks um, whilst Reist is injured um, I mean maybe when Koulibaly comes back that's going to be allow uh, Chilwell to, to get forward a little bit more and, uh, and and give us more opportunities on on our left hand side but you know on the right until Reese comes back we're, we're pretty stuffed yeah no I'd agree uh for me, it, it was one of those games. It ebbed and flowed, and we got the penalty. I mean, McTominay, I don't know what he was thinking. But what I loved about the penalty was Manu reverted to old Manu, surrounding the ref, creating problems. VAR says it's a penalty. They still carried on. Jorginho marched over to the side of the penalty area. And when anyone went to try and go near him, Mason Mount cut him off. There was a brilliant period where he held off De Gea, who was dying to get near Jorginho. And you know, I, just, I just, that was probably my favourite moment of the match. What about you, Gary? It was quite, quite something else. Wasn't, wasn't your favourite moment of the I, match I, when Kovacic took his shorts off? Well, I was going to get to that, but that was at the end of well, the my, game. My favourite bit match. was when Kovacic got in the tunnel and took his pants off. But, you know. <laughs> Well, that's what we're just talking about. So, you know, it, it was, it, that was a very funny moment where he goes to, to the kid cover and the, the, he's got no shirt on and says, can I have your shirt? Well, no, I haven't got any. Well, can I have your shorts? And he just took them off. It was hysterical. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the way Mason Mount, he's, you know, because you think of him as this young kid, but he's no, not shy, is he? he? He will stick up for anyone in that team. And I love that. He's got a mouth on him. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I love that about him. But, um, but yeah, uh, and it was, it was one of those games. It ebbed and flowed. It was a fair result, wasn't it, Gary? Yeah, I, f- I think it was. I think um, just because of that opening 35 minutes, they we made them look good, which was the annoying bit, because I don't think they are. Um, but generally, I think if Chelsea had come away with a 1-0 win, I think you'd have been able to say that we sort of just about deserved it, but then coming away with a one-all draw, I think that's fair enough. Because even though for all their possession they had, and we were pushing us back, they didn't really do much. I know Rashford had that moment where, but it was after Kovacic had come on where he got put through and Kepa did really well to close him down. But they didn't really do much else. Their shots were from range. You know, Luke Shaw was pinging them in there. They, they didn't really trouble us. That when you watch the game back, obviously in the moment you get a bit anxious, right? And you're feeling it. But when you watch the game back, you can see that, there's not much danger there. So I think we could have sneaked a 1-0 win, but one all is not too bad. And it's obviously the way it happened is a little bit annoying because you'd like them to close the game out from there, but... Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. I, I, I think it had draw written all over it. I think anybody that takes a little bit of distance from the game and gets over their disappointment about not being able to hold on to that lead for a couple of minutes and, and, and conceding, you know, conceding a goal that we probably shouldn't have conceded is, you know, once you get over that and you look back at the game, you can't help but think that's a reasonable result for both parties, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, at the end of it, the last thing I wanted to talk about, it was it was a game where we were supporting Stonewall's Rainbow Laces campaign. 
And sadly, there were homophobic chants heard through the game. Uh, this is something we've got to find a way to stamp this out, isn't it, Andy? Well, like so many other things, it's it's um, not acceptable. And I think that there have been really great strides made at Chelsea Football Club around racism and anti-Semitism. And I think that we need to really stamp out this homophobic nonsense as well. And the fact of the matter is we are a global club, you know, and there will be a lot of, you know, old Yadars who don't like that, who think that the club is just theirs and, you know, people like them and, you know, it should only be theirs. But the fact of the matter is we have supporters all over the world and supporters of all different creeds and colours and sexualities and religions and, you know, they should all be made welcome at Stamford Bridge. And, you know, that's, that's for me, a, a, a sign of a great club when you've got that level of diverse support. And, you know, if somebody's feeling uncomfortable to come to the club because of homophobic abuse or because they feel that they won't they won't be welcome that's a bad thing and of course we should stamp it out and I, I think it's a you know that was in in that case was uh was the man united fans wasn't it and you know that that's on yeah, that, i was gonna say on, was, was it wasn't chelsea, chelsea fans it was it was it was the man united yeah. fans and they're they're all uh, did you hear what ten hag said no. after because it got pulled up and uh he went yes and did you hear what chelsea fans sang to Varane when he went off as if there's a comparison of going, you're an arsehole because you play for that team, we're just going to give you some beef because we think you're time-wasting compared to whatever their fans were singing that was abusive to a group of yeah, people. Well, yeah. As if there's yeah, a comparison. That, that, well, we don't know by... what was said to Varane. That, and, and that's what is the annoying thing is that they've said exactly what was said by the Man United fans, but not what was supposedly uh, said what, to What were Man United fans singing? Because I, I, I didn't hear they were singing, it. They, they, they were singing were very quiet. Um, they were very Chelsea, Chelsea Rent Boys, you know, which is which is something that they've sung for a long time at us, but is completely unacceptable in, the, you know, in, in modern times. And and they need to stop. It's as simple as that. And It's and illegal. It, well, it's illegal, but it's also stupid and it's old-fashioned and it's pointless and it, it's just... just it just it just demeans them more than anything, and I think Chelsea fans are, you know, they, I haven't heard a lot of or any homophobic abuse from from Chelsea fans to be honest, not on a mass scale, no. and and no. so I think there are there's really good work being done at Chelsea, but let's not get complacent about it. Let's make sure that Chelsea and Stamford Bridge is a welcoming place for for anybody that wants to come. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my my point about it being illegal is it is officially a hate crime to use that term. Um, so yeah, anyway, look. It was a draw. It's been a week of draws. As as Andy, you always say, it's the draws that kill you. But this week, it just didn't feel too bad. I think we're on a learning curve. And hopefully we were going to carry on getting somewhere with, with... But then you look at the table, you know, Liverpool lost, Arsenal drew. You know, we're, we're not that far off the top. And I don't think we're going to win the league. I don't think we've got any chance of doing it. I just think, as I said on CNN after the game on Saturday. Luckily, no one I just think Chelsea, Chelsea's target should be top four, consolidate, build. Potter gets in, comfortable, build for next season, couple more signings, then make how, an assault how long on it. But did I think where we to, are, be honest with me, Kerry, how long was he till he came out after the game? After I left? Uh, I, literally 90 seconds after no. you left. Yeah, honestly. I don't believe Honestly. You. No, it's absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, I was I was perfect. They they called me they called me um you know through and they said yep let's do it boom on the on the whistle reaction and then Kerry called me and I had to hang up. I was like sorry, I'm gonna have to start that point again <laughs> because it was all on my phone. Because normally I do it from the press box. And they were like, Gary, please, you haven't done it for so long. We love it when you do well, it. Welsh. I was like, okay, so I did it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Ron Harris' uncle. We're coming at you li- live, live from Cardiff. Yeah, no, I mean, this is and, in relation um, to the fact that I, I, I was went and met Andy after the game and I said, oh, just hold on a few minutes for, for Gary to, to come down from doing this interview with CNN. And uh, at one point, Andy said, oh, I'm going to go. And honestly, 90 seconds later, he was there. But he did go to the loo, and that took longer than the interview with CNN. I have no idea what was going on. Oh, I, had to undo, I had to undo my flies. Yeah. Okay. Takes a while. <laughs> okay, uh, this is really quite enough for a podcast. Um, okay, <laughs> okay, well, that's it. As always, we will be back at the end of the week where we will chat over the weekend's game coming up. All right. Thank you, Andy, as always. Thank you, Gary. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.